This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Brahms mommed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We're going to play GM later today for our fans and friends and commenters who are like, why don't you guys play GM for an episode? We will. Don't worry. But eh, like an hour and a half before the show, shit started to go down. News broke. Anthony Volpe winning the gold glove was the most relevant thing that happened to the Yankees last night. And then like 13 hours later, it was subsumed by like 15 other wild stories. The GM meetings aren't even officially underway and managers are already changing hands. Steinbrenner and Cash talk tomorrow. Cashman in Arizona at the GM meetings. Steinbrenner on Zoom from, I guess, Rome probably again, but he'll chat with the media for the first time in a while. The Yankees need a bench coach like we thought they might, but not for the reasons we thought they would. Carlos Mendoza goes to the Mets as their manager, and Craig Council goes to an opening. Well, no, not really. He creates his own opening and is now the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Five-year, $40 million deal, highest-paid manager in baseball. The Yankees are going to run it back with Aaron Boone. We knew that already, but now we know that, know that. And, uh, of course, we will close this show by uh, going through the three deals that we each believe the Yankees should prioritize this offseason. I've got my three. But we've got so much news to talk about in the interim, and we're going to bring it back with our special guest on Thursday's stream, too. So please stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we got one hell of an episode. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. As always, hit us with that sponsorship quick so we can talk about actual baseball instead of what we've been doing for the past Month and a half, which is Yankees are sad. Yankees are so sad. Why aren't the Yankees in the playoffs? Why are all these former Yankees in the playoffs? Uh, we don't have to do that anymore. We have a lot to actually get through. Yeah, what are we doing? And I'm worried for the folks who want us to play GM. I, I, I'm I'm happy to do it, but oh, God. Um, what would our moves look like? I guess we'll tell you. Um, but anyway, in the meantime, Bet365 is here for you, ladies and gentlemen. They have increased their sign-up offer. Um this was ahead of the MLB playoffs, but I guess it's still raging, right? New users who register with a Bet365 code um, called YGY Betting are now eligible to receive $365 in bonus bets. All you have to do is deposit 10 bucks, place a $1 wager on any game. Once that first bet is placed, you will instantly receive $365 in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, just make sure you're, you're using that code YGY Betting at signup. Obviously, my favorite part of this whole whole deal, by using that code, you will not only receive the deal from Bet365, but you will directly be supporting the podcast, your friends, the guys you want to play GM. Don't ask me why, but we're happy to do it. So if you haven't signed up for Bet365, please join again with the code YGYBetting and place that first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer. Um, what do we want first? Mendoza gone, council with the Cubs. I'm happy with either. Mm. Well, mm. Uh, let's let's do Mendoza, I guess, right? Let's do it. Uh, because we we didn't gain anybody today, we just lost somebody. We like, just lost a guy. Craig Council is a move I would have loved to have made. We'll obviously talk more about that. There, there was like a three-minute window where it seemed possible. But uh yeah, Carlos Mendoza. I think you're more bullish on him as a manager. I just still yeah. feel like he's an unknown quantity, so I you know who knows, but 15 years in the Yankees system, four years as their big league bench coach, gets manager interviews out the yin-yang the last couple of off-seasons. This is not the first time he's spoken to teams, but this is the first time he's spoken to this many teams in an off-season. And it felt kind of inevitable he would leave because he was wowing and he was doing well, but then these openings were starting to close. Are the Astros going to hire Carlos Mendoza? No. Are the Guardians going to hire Carlos Mendoza to take over for Terry Francona? possible but they always seem to be in love with Stephen Vogt so were the Brewers and they hopped on Stephen Vogt this morning the Guardians did they hired him before all this madness went down so then it felt to me like the Mets are nowhere but the Mets are going to get counsel so of course they're not going to get Carlos Mendoza who again we've seen be the Yankees go-to manager in instances where Aaron Boone is ejected which seems to happen a hundred times a season so he's got plenty of in-game experience and there were leaks last week that he's the bad cop and Boone is the good cop. And Andy Martino was saying this, but again, like did, did anybody come away from watching the Yankees the past couple of years and, and think like, Oh man, you know, who's absolutely killing it. The Yankees bad cop. 
Like, those players aren't very good, but at least they're so disciplined. Like, no, it seemed like the care factor was pretty low, uh, regardless of whether the team was up or down. So Mendoza's been incubated with the Yankees for a long time. 15 years is a long time in one organization. He clearly made the Mets feel something, or the Mets weren't willing to pay Craig Council what he ultimately got from the Cubs. But you fear this is a Rob Thompson scenario where the Yankees are loyal to Aaron Boone to a fault and Aaron Boone in the final year of his contract for whatever reason, it may have let uh, someone with more baseball acumen escape. But at this point, that to me just feels like a fear and a valid fear, but I don't really know anything about Carlos Mendoza and you, I think maybe feel more immediately fearsome about this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not distraught about it. Obviously these guys who are on the coaching staff are going to leave if they're anywhere close to competent and the Yankees are going to continue holding on to Aaron Boone. So we knew that that was going to be the reality, but you look at a guy like Mendoza, 15 years in the Yankees organization, been around baseball a while, bilingual, can actually speak to the media. You know, that was one of the few things that got me excited about him, which I guess is sad because I shouldn't have to be excited about someone being able to speak to the media, but the way that all these players are trained now, the way that I guess Aaron Boone has conducted his mannerisms in, in, in front of the New York media, it, it's really put me in a desperate spot to just want somebody who is a delegate, somebody who could speak, somebody who has um, an articulate nature, who can who can provide information yet be guarded at the same time instead of obviously lying or obviously just pretending like they don't know. Um and I think that whenever a team, another team finds out, I know it's the Mets. We can laugh at the Mets. I'm not going to laugh at the Mets. I don't think it's, it's just, it's a tired exercise. Um, and the decision could end up being good. I don't know. Um, the Mets clearly um, needed a spark after Buck Showalter. They felt like Carlos Mendoza was the guy. Is he, or is he not? We will not know until the season begins. Um, I don't know if the Yankees necessarily knew, but I also think that the Yankees have had this weird hierarchy on the coaching staff with like Aaron Boone's friends or guys they didn't want to dismiss yet until their contracts were over. Um, and that's what's re- that's what's kind of um, resulted in the turnover in recent years. And I thought Mendoza finally got elevated to a position that um, he deserved after all this other stuff had happened with Aaron Boone's coaching staff. And he was obviously next in line. I know he's been – a candidate for managerial positions in the past, didn't get it. I thought there was a lot of value in him entering this season as Yankees bench coach, because I think at this point we cannot rule out a midseason Aaron Boone dismissal, especially if things are particularly going bad after the Yankees were to theoretically make impact moves to help the roster. And then at that point, there will be a clear blame game being played. If you have, you know, in theory, Juan Soto, Yoshinobu, uh, Yamamoto, and a couple of other guys that patched up the roster deficiencies and you're still losing games, that would give them an excuse to do something, especially if they couldn't afford, you know, another playoff list season in 2024 from an ownership standpoint. Um, and I would have liked to have seen what Mendoza would have done in an interim managerial role. And the, the other thing that people, I guess, are kind of spooked by is like, oh, he doesn't have any manager experience. And it's like, yeah, I also don't think the next manager the Yankees hire will have managerial experience. It's either you get one of these old world guys or, you know, guys with a larger track record like a Craig Council. I don't know if I pay him most money in the league, though. Or you get a new school up and comer who's who, you know, who can relate to the players very well, who can rally the players, who has that analytically driven, um, you know, mindset, but can also act on gut instinct. Um, so that's why I didn't really care that Carlos Mendoza virtually had no managerial experience outside of filling in for Aaron Boone's ejection. So we will see. That's all that we can say. I don't think it's good for the Yankees to lose somebody who seemingly had the, you know, this big of a baseball presence in the organization for that long and now have to find a bench coach and a hitting coach. And they haven't had a good bench coach and or hitting coach in quite some time. You don't want to be entering the replacing coach fray now, either November 6th. Like, you no. better have a succession plan. Luis Rojas's contract is up. They, they intend to bring him back. We've heard he would make a lot of sense as the bench coach, especially this late in the game. Find yourself a new third base coach. The people say a lot of positive things about Luis Rojas. I don't think, like, <laughs> I don't think a third base coach is irreplaceable. If he's got, if he's been great in the clubhouse, great. Make him a bench coach. You can find a different guy to wave runners around. I didn't think he was particularly 
impressive or damaging in that regard. The Yankees used to have a much worse third base coach who you actively noticed. Uh, since then, not so much. Uh, we we thought about Nick Swisher to the bench coach role. It doesn't seem like that's likely at this point. It does seem like the smoke is in Rojas's department. Basically, there were 10 minutes there, maybe 15, where it felt like the, the everything was lining up for a shocking council hire. Uh, the departure of Mendoza to the Mets, remove the Mets as a council destination, and put instability in the Yankees dugout. All of a sudden, you know, one of Aaron Boone's friends is gone. He's leaping elsewhere. Okay, sure. Wait a minute. Hal Steinbrenner speaking tomorrow. Brian Cashman speaking tomorrow. Aaron Boone is not speaking tomorrow. Are we only oh, yeah. doing one? Is the Yankees post-mortem press conference really going to be in two parts on Tuesday, November 7th without the manager involved? Why is that? If Craig Council is taking an active manager's job, why wouldn't the Yankees be considered? You saw every theory under the sun flying around before it was revealed that he leaped from the Brewers to the Cubs, five-year, $40 million deal, highest-paid manager in the game of baseball, and probably worth every penny. Uh, this affects the Yankees for multiple reasons, not just because, I guess, they could have gone above and beyond and hired counsel out of nowhere and, and left Aaron Boone jobless. Right. The, the Cubs did that with David Ross, so it's been it just got done. It's been done. It just got done. Uh, so theoretically, they could have hired Craig Council, but perhaps more importantly – this means to me that the Cubs are going to be major players this offseason for a lot of different people. Juan Soto has already been a rumored Cubs target. Why would the Cubs, who just spent $40 million on hiring one of baseball's top three managers, not go all in for Juan Soto and give up a trade package that we all agree could potentially be less expensive than most people are theorizing? The Yankees do not need to give up Jason Dominguez in a Juan Soto package. No way. No way. No chance. No how. The Cubs don't have to give up anything close to that either. The final irony would be if they have to give up Kevin Alcantara to make it happen, former Yankees top prospect. That would feel pretty commensurate uh, with a Soto package. But bottom line, the Cubs uh, took a huge swing, went for it, connected. The Yankees don't have to take every big swing, but they got to take one eventually. And over here sitting, you know, David Ross lost his job because of one September swoon. Aaron Boone is just sort of chilling after – Losing an ALCS to the Astros, you know, pretty damn close to advancing the World Series, but couldn't do it. Losing a playoff series to the rival Rays, losing a wild card game to the Red Sox after a season full of individual game collapses and a much larger scale 162 game collapse. Uh, taking a, the best first half we've ever seen and turning it into an ALCS sweep last year and having the worst regular season in recent Yankees history this year. He survived all that, doesn't even appear to be in danger anymore. Meanwhile, the Cubs overachieve all year, don't make the postseason, don't get a wild card spot. And David Ross, who was told he's our guy a couple of weeks ago, is gone. Another nice reminder not to listen to what managers and executives and GMs say. Like, he's our guy a month ago. Didn't even mean that David Ross was coming back. So Aaron Judge saying, I like Aaron Boone, does not mean he's going to have to get a 10-year contract with the Yankees. That said, Cubs took some big swings. They did big market things. The Yankees haven't done that in a long time. That's my biggest beef with this. It's not the fact that they didn't sign Craig Council. Um, it's the fact that you've seen other teams, whether it's worked or not. Padres figured out a way to get Bob Melvin. It didn't work out for them. Then the Giants figured out a way to get Bob Melvin. They think it's going to work out for them. Um, you have um, an in-house guy in Carlos Mendoza, who I think would be, uh, I thought would have been a good, you know, one-year solution in the event they wanted to move on from Aaron Boone early and see what they had in Mendoza before making a larger decision. Carlos Mendoza leaves. Now you have Craig Council. Look, we can argue until the cows come home. I don't think he's worth that contract. Um, one postseason series victory since uh, taking over as manager um, in 2015 when he took over after like 25 games uh, when they fired uh, Ron Renicky. Um the Brewers have been wildly underwhelming. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. Then again, I think a lot of that success was a result of David Stearns's moves. Very good president of baseball operations. Uh, Council was definitely a beneficiary of that. David that Stearns' said, moves? Man boobs? <laughs> his oh, moves. 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 Yeah, okay. Um, I think that uh, Council certainly has baseball instinct. He's been around the game for a very long time. Former player. Um, I – just I I think it's con the only thing that's concerning here is a team like the Cubs who is seeing the writing on the wall. They've had David Ross for since the start of 2020. He's been gradually improving. 
Perhaps that improvement hasn't been good or fast enough for them. Perhaps they didn't feel he was a manager that would attract bigger names. Either way, they had a larger inclination to do something uh, with, you know, with uh, greater magnitude to help the future of their organization and make uh, make an urgent decision right now, which is something I feel like the Yankees have not done in I don't know how long. Um, we could sit here and talk about it forever. So I think it's more so you're seeing these other teams make these decisions, whether it's uh, haste is the wrong word, but like they are clearly convinced that Craig Council is their guy. They're willing to give him the money. They're willing to jettison somebody who's had a fairly influential history with the team and David Ross. Um, and they don't really care, call it, you know, cowardly or not. Um, if you're in the last year of your contract, I don't think you're safe. That doesn't, that, that goes for anybody who's ever been in the last year of a contract. So it's not like David Ross just signed a four year extension and had the world in front of him. He was heading into 2024 as a lame duck manager as Aaron Boone is. Um, and again, taking Boone out for Craig council. What do we think? Probably improves the Yankees by five games. Maybe doesn't yeah. make all the difference in the world, but, um, it's still a decision that would be, uh, indicative of how, you know, they want the culture to shift or what, uh, a potential different personality that they want to experiment with, with these players that they have, or, you know, a collection of new players they have coming in, um, and the Yankees maintaining the status quo, uh, dragging their feet this off season, you know, as, as we can see with, uh, Steinbrenner and, and Cashman talking to the media tomorrow, which is long overdue. The fact that the audit, is underway a month after the season has ended. The fact that no moves have been made outside of the six obvious releases that we've seen. Um, that's where the frustration lies. It's not, Oh, they missed out on Craig council. It's no, they missed out on Bob Melvin, which maybe, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it didn't. They let Carlos Mendoza go. Who's been in the organization for 15 years and clearly well-respected. And now Craig council is another big time option that goes to a team that is much less successful. So where, what are we doing guys? Yeah, I mean, take the outrage glasses off. Craig Council, we all agree, is one of the top managers in the game because we're told that he is. But the Brewers haven't won a playoff series since 2018. Yeah. They've won one playoff series under his watch. So it's not like, oh, Aaron Boone gets you the regular season, but Craig Council can get you through the postseason. Like, no, hasn't done that either, really. But I do think he's an objective improvement over Aaron Boone. I think that's a lot of money to spend on a manager. I would have been excited if he replaced Aaron Boone not because I think uh, uh, people are, you know, also talking about how we're bored this offseason. We're acting like MLB managers or NFL head coaches. Like Craig Council is not going to come in and install a new scheme. He's not going to be like, here's what we're going to do. We're finally going to use a, a second first baseman. And everyone's like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's going to revitalize the New York Yankees. Like, no, he's just a good leader of men and a good tactician. And we all sort of agree. Steady hand. Um, I would have liked to have seen him in New York, but I, I'm more upset because Letting the Cubs do this, letting the Phillies do what they've done, letting the Rangers do what they've done, letting the Giants hire Bob Melvin. It's just the Yankees sitting out like we're supposed to be a part of this. Like the, the rest of baseball has obviously always wanted the Yankees to go away, but the Yankees are just sort of letting the rest. Of, well, the rest of baseball needs a chance. Let's let them make impact moves. <laughs> like every time there's a blockbuster, let's let's let the other teams get involved and we'll just kind of be here hanging out because we're a money making operation. That's kind of what the fandom has felt like for several years now, at least since they signed Garrett Cole, um, the Aaron Judge's extension being the other moment in the sun. And not to downplay that, that was an obvious moment in the sun, made you feel good. But they also know Aaron Judge is a revenue stream just as much as he is a winning player. They also tried so, to lowball Aaron Judge. They tried really hard to not extend Aaron Judge before <laughs> he ended up getting extended. So it just kind of feels like it's no surprise why the Rangers won the World Series. It's no surprise why the Phillies wound up in the World Series last year. It's no surprise why the Cubs went and hired Craig Council because all these teams are saying they're a, a, an inefficiency in baseball these days is spending a lot of money to have success, to ensure success, to at least get difference makers in the building. That's what all three of those teams have done. Two of them have gotten World Series berths out of it. One of them's gotten the title. And now the Cubs are maybe up next to have themselves an offseason with Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger and Yoshinobu Yamamoto all on the table. And spoiler alert, not that many great tier two options below them. So you can either have an offseason this year, go get these big guns, or kind of hang out and be in the status quo spot, which is what I assume the world is going to ask Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman about tomorrow. <laughs> Hal Steinbrenner speaks first at noon Eastern time, 
from an undisclosed location somewhere under Baghdad. Then Brian Cashman talks from the GM meetings in Arizona. And, and I again, we didn't even know if the GM meetings were going to be like a huge source of information. Oh, yeah, they're just going to be hanging out. They're going to be patting Chris Young on the back for building the World Series champion Rangers. Well, apparently every managerial opening is getting filled on Monday before the meetings even start. So they got a lot to discuss. And uh, Hal Steinbrenner goes first. Brian Cashman goes second. Uh, they're not going to say anything, but you have to hammer these people once again on how can you, ass- I, I mean, it's just the whole press conference should be, how can you assure the fans that this year will be different than last year? Because last time we got access to Hal Steinbrenner, he said he had some really, really tough meetings and was going to be building nap pods. And like, that's not necessarily a bad thing on the whole, but when that's all you hear, there's a reason that gets critiqued and laughed at. So we just need a little bit better from Hal and Cash this time around. I am a bit worried, however, and this is not a dig at the people who will be asking questions, but I feel like when the Yankees, this has clearly been in the works and part of a plan for quite a while. The Yankees didn't just decide today, oh, November 7th. Yeah, we're going to, season's over. Shit. We're going to, we're going to talk to, we're going to talk to the media. What do you guys, are you guys available tomorrow? Yeah, we'll, we'll come by. We forgot. They've had this plan behind closed doors. They set this date. They have the exact people they want in there asking questions. They probably have an outline of questions that they want asked or that they don't want asked. You're right. I think there should be a lot of questions pertaining to how will next year look different than this year. I think there should be a lot of questions about the failed trade deadlines, the former players succeeding elsewhere, the blueprints that other teams are taking from the old world Yankees who were aggressive with spending and aggressive with trading prospects and that succeeding elsewhere while the Yankees have abandoned that. Um, but I don't think any of this stuff is going to be asked. I think we're going to have a baseline bunch of questions laid out to talk about the, Hey, what are your plans for the offseason? Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're considering all the big players, you know, where we, we need this, this, and this, and these guys are available and we're going to see what happens. And yeah, that's going to be the end of it. Trades, you know, we're exploring all the options, yeah. uh, assessing the value across the league, going to see what we can do. Obviously nothing's a guarantee. You'd like to get people on the phone. People don't like me, Brian Cashman. They see me on the caller ID. They hang it up. I don't know. I, we're going to get a lot of these boilerplate questions. A lot of these no revealing answers as is the case with this team and everybody involved with it. So uh, prove me wrong, please, media, please, Yankees. Uh, the Yankees, I'm not saying they should have a roast session on, you know, comedy. They shouldn't have the, the roast of Hal Steinbrenner with Brian Cashman as the roast master, but there should be some sort of accountability here because you just waited a full month to address the fan base of anything. I guess at the end of the day, nobody knows owes anybody anything, right? The Yankees don't know the fans much. The fans don't know the Yankees much. It is what it is. It's a business but at the same time, like there is an obligation on everybody's, you know, uh, on everybody's end of the bargain here. I think the Yankees have that larger obligation because the fans are the main source of revenue. Uh, they, they need to provide an explanation of what has happened, why it's happened. What are the next steps being taken? What are your answers for all these egregious things the greater baseball community is talking about? Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Eovaldi, Corey Seager, um, uh, Andrew Heaney, all the, these guys won a World Series. The Diamondbacks youth movement took off faster than any any one single player in recent Yankees history has been able to succeed from the prospect uh, from the minor league level to the major league level. Um, the gap that has been closed that Aaron Boone was talking about, I, it was closed before he even mentioned there was a gap. Can we address that, please? Because now it's been th- two or three years since that comment, and the Yankees have only gotten worse from you know, uh, a big game performance perspective and now a larger uh, regular season picture when you see all these moves gradually erode the roster. So that's the one thing I'm nervous about, that the right questions are not going to be asked or they're going to be danced around. And I really I really need assurance that, like, we'll get a couple of good questions in there with somebody feeling some shame or responsibility for what has happened because there is a little bit to be owed. I'm not, I'm not saying I deserve every answer under the sun, but – there's a lot of things being talked about nationally that that the Yankees need to answer for. Yeah. Uh, the next time you leave a flaming bag of poop on Brian Cashman's doorstep, make sure to hashtag it pinstripe pride. and We'll put it on the big screen. Um, yeah, they're light years behind at this moment in time. They can correct that this offseason. We'll play GM for him. We'll help him. But 
we, we've heard too much Cashman and Steinbrenner Mealy Mouth stuff to be excited about the possibility of listening to them again, even if it's long awaited, even if it's weeks after we should have heard from them. Um, more so, you're right. More so, I don't really care about their plans for the offseason. I can pretend to, but they're not going to tell you anyway. They're going to mm-hmm. say they're talking to all the free agents and trying to make all the trades. What I want to hear from them on is what you pinpointed. Uh, you improperly assessed Jordan Montgomery, or you lied about the reason for trading Jordan Montgomery. E- either you didn't, either you didn't feel he was a playoff option, and he clearly was, or there was an ulterior motive. You didn't want to extend him. You would rather have Severino and Montas. Like he, they're the ones you're more likely to extend. Just answer for that. Uh, what happened with Nathan Evaldi this offseason? That's a contract you could afford. That stands as more than Rodon, but you didn't do more than Rodon. You didn't do Evaldi, and you let the Rangers get a World Series hero. What happened to Corey Seager? What happened to Bryce Harper from the horse's mouth? Do you want to walk back your comment from several years ago that you don't want him playing first base after he played first base for an NLCS participant this year and did it pretty well? Like, I, I don't care about your moves for the offseason. I care about the last two years of mismanagement. That's what I want to hear about. And that's what the winter meetings and the GM meetings are supposed to be about. Step back and assess, make deals, further your roster. And with that in mind, why the hell is Mark Canna on the Detroit Tigers now? Um, Look, superstar, he is not. MVP candidate, no. Uh, Lefty bat, also no. So like the biggest ding against Mark Canna is that he does not vary your lineup, he's a righty hitter. He's 34 years old. He'll be 35 next year. And he wasn't even necessarily guaranteed to be a free agent. He had, like, options. There was a chance that he might not hit the open market. But when I was looking at left field options, he's the fourth best left fielder on the open market if he made it. Behind Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who the Yankees are not signing. Jock Peterson, who the Yankees are not signing. Behind plenty of people, the Yankees are not signing. Like he was the most realistic left field free agent on the market this year if he actually hit the market. Yeah. For the Yankees. And uh he's gone before the winter meetings, before the GM meetings even begin. Tommy Pham was the other one at the bottom of my top tier, I think, but he thinks he's getting a multi-year deal. He probably is. The Yankees are not paying three years for Tommy Pham. Sorry. So keep knocking names off the list. You can't enter next season without a left fielder. You had a crack at the fourth best left fielder on the market and potentially the best or second best fit for you behind Jock Peterson, unless you want to get Adam Duvall and move him, unless you want to get Cody Bellinger and move him, unless you want to get Juan Soto and move people around. But if they're shooting for the stars and they don't get Mark Canna, I'll forgive them. If they are just sort of messing around and biding their time and the Tigers swapped a minor league reliever for Mark Canna, then, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit upset by that. I would agree with that assessment and that assessment alone. Uh, I don't think the Yankees needed Mark Hanna. I don't think, um, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never concerned with how much we're paying people, but I know the Yankees are $11.5 million for Mark Hanna, another righty bat, another less athletic option heading into age 35 season. Like I could do without this, but I can do without it under the right circumstances. Like if the Yankees, have in my mind, there's a grander plan, right? And this is wishful thinking. It's you get Juan Soto, he goes to right field for the time being. You put Aaron Judge in center until Jason Dominguez comes back. You get um, somebody else to play left field, or you move. Uh, um, who was the other left fielder we were talking about? I forgot. I'm I'm already blanking on who it was. Either way, you get a real left fielder or one of these guys will move around. No, one of these guys will move around because then when stuff gets solidified, you have judge and right Dominguez in center, Juan Soto in left, and then you just make do. Yeah. Um, Duval Bellinger. Well, that was it. Duval in left field. Um, See, I can't be, I can't even remember the fucking guy that I wanted in left field. So I can't another righty. Like there's too many. Yeah. righties on the market. So I think if you, um, but I feel, I don't know, Duvall like adds, Duvall's like recent track record with batting in the middle of a lineup and like surprisingly playing good defense and being clutch kind of outweighs the redundancy for me. Um, Mark Hanna was on the A's and then was on, you know, was supposed to be like an intrinsic uh, depth player on the Mets and kind of just wasn't really. Um, I don't know, not inspiring to me again. If the Yankees, if this was at all on the Yankees' radar and they got outdid by the Tigers, that's where I throw my coffee. If they have a larger plan in mind and you know they, they they're going to free up some capital to make these other larger moves happen, then great. 
Um, Mark Hanna never really did it to me. Um, I think that there is part of this argument here is a little bit inflated because of the lack of outfielders, right? So you see one guy. It was like the year uh, – it was like when the Tigers traded for Austin Meadows. It was like, what the f- – like, why didn't the Yankees try that or do that? I know the Rays are probably not apt to trade within the division, but it was like you needed a lefty outfielder. This guy kicks your ass all the time. He was clearly like on the way. They got nothing in return for him. So why didn't you outbid them a little bit and give somebody to the Rays? Like, I don't know. But because the outfield market is so, um, you know, uh, devoid of talent right now, this kind of rings a little bit uh, stronger in our heads. But I'm not going to I'm not really going to be angry about it unless the unless, you know, you bring me to the end of the offseason and the Yankees you know, this was supposed to be a supplementary move for them and then they didn't do it and then they couldn't figure something out as time went on. Yeah, the outfield market, extremely talent-free. Talent-free since 23. But uh, (laughs) unless you get the big-ass names, which is who we'll be talking about at the end of the show. Um, It's been 33 minutes of screaming whirlwind negativity connecting the dots across the Major League Baseball landscape. Should we celebrate Anthony Volpe briefly before trying to figure out uh, how the Yankees can get better? Uh, Yankee fans, toxic discourse, bad, uh, everybody on uh, Facebook, bad, uh, Twitter and X also bad. Um, here's the deal. Gold glove defensive award. Did Anthony Volpe have a fantastic rookie season? No notes. No, absolutely not. Was I frustrated with Anthony Volpe? No doubt. Were you? Uh-huh. I don't think any – I'm not sure there's a podcast out there that's been more frustrated with Anthony Volpe. Mm. It felt like he turned a corner in mid-June. He didn't. Maybe he did and he ran out of steam in September. Also a problem. But he reached 2020 homers and stolen bases at the beginning of September and then hit one more homer and stopped running and stopped hitting. And I watched his batting average go from the 220s to nearly under 200 again. And when the Yankees were basically eliminated from the playoffs, all I did was – I mean, if I couldn't watch the game, I would just check the box score to see if Anthony Volpe got a hit. And more often than not, he wouldn't have. And I would be like, God, back to square one, really. Square freaking one here. So was it a perfect year? No. Was I frustrated? Absolutely. But Anthony Volpe winning the gold glove at shortstop does vindicate the Yankees somewhat. The people who wanted Anthony Volpe demoted, and most importantly, the people who wanted Anthony Volpe moved off short before he even got a chance to play short. Anthony Volpe winning the Gold Glove at shortstop does not mean he was the best shortstop in the American League this year. The finalist group was flawed. However, of the people chosen, he had the best statistics and the best metrics and the best eye test. Better defensive year than Carlos Correa. Better defensive year than Corey Seager. Deserved to win of those three did. Does that mean that Oswald Peraza wouldn't have also won a Cole Glove at shortstop? No. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Perhaps Oswald Peraza is the better defensive shortstop. But Anthony Volpe, I was told, can't play shortstop, not allowed, doesn't have the arm strength, can't compensate for it, can't make the route, like can't make the special plays, can make the routine plays. How about this? Gold Glove winner. Can't take that away from him. Had the best possible defensive season under the constraints of his body. He's never going to have the arm strength. He's smart enough and clean enough and competent enough to make up for it. I can't think of a spectacular play that Volpe was not able to make. And again, sometimes these spectacular plays are because uh, either the shortstop has crazy range or because, uh, you know, sometimes a shortstop will make a routine play look spectacular because they have to die. They have to go all out. They can't just get to the ball using great roots. Volpe has great roots. Volpe has great instincts. And he is your gold glove winner for 2023, which does not mean he's a finished product, but it does mean he's a winner. A moral victory. That's what I'm calling it. I uh, I think I think there is an argument to be had that gold gloves have kind of been devalued over the years because we've seen weird stuff happen and we don't really know how the winners are determined. Rafael Palmero once won a gold glove for playing yeah. like 20 games at first base. Yeah. It doesn't mean best defender in baseball. I mean, Clint Frazier was a finalist two, three years ago. Like, well, like it, it's I don't know. I don't I don't know. Either way. Sometimes they get it right. The obvious candidates are there in the fi- uh, for the most part in in the group of finalists. Um, I think that if you're going to sit here and tell me Anthony Volpe did not have a good defensive season, you would be a malcontent. Um, that's a rookie player. That is somebody who stepped in to a position that is probably the most high profile in the sport, given the team and the importance of shortstop. 
and came in after how, what three terrible years of a shortstop situation where it was Glaber Torres at short, which was miserable in 2020, then him there for you know most of 2021 and it being miserable, and then Isaiah Connor Falefa being thrusted in the position when he's not a natural shortstop for a full year during this very important Yankees window that left a lot of bad uh, taste in people's mouths. Yeah, I think Anthony Volpe coming in, doing what he was able to do, show the range, show the instinct. Yeah, he booted some ground balls. Sure, he took some bad routes here and there, but he played 162 games. I understand that the um, the import, uh, I guess the uh, um, the importance of that is not as uh, magnified as it once was. Like, oh yeah, of course he's a professional baseball player. He should be playing 162 games. Yeah. He's never really played in more than 105 in his career. So this was his first season playing more than that. He lasted the entire season. He had his ups and downs on the offensive end. He didn't really let that affect his defensive play. Yes, there were gaffes in between, but there was no prolonged spell of like, are we sure this guy can play shortstop? Are we sure this guy can keep his head in the game after not being able to perform on offense and having it affect his defensive game? Because you know who that affected? Glaber Torres. Glaber yeah. Torres couldn't hit because he was playing bad defensively, and that's a veteran baseball player. Anthony For Julius Volpe. Randall of Major League Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Volpe showed he was more mature and wiser beyond his years. I think this is a great accomplishment, um, whether or not there is the – uh, I guess the, the the pronouncement around the gold gloves as, as there once was, I don't know. Um, nonetheless, a rookie to beat out those two names that were alongside him, won a World Series champion, won a generational defender. Um, that does vindicate the Yankees, certainly. Uh, I think there's the, – everybody in here would agree, everybody in the chat, we would agree we'd like to see Anthony Volpe take the next step. We would agree that we were somewhat underwhelmed by the rookie season, but that's not going to take away from what he was able to accomplish, gold glove, 2020 year, being able to play all those games, uh, taking over the position um, with all that pressure. All of that matters. There is There's certainly an element to it that um, should have us patting ourselves on the back at the end of the day. Yeah, and ultimately him playing every game turned out to be too many games. Yeah. But uh, next year is the year. If he does not take a step forward, he's going to be scrutinized like Labor mm-hmm. Torres trying to play shortstop. But for now, 20 homers, 20 stolen bags, a horrible a horrible May, a, a June that made me want to end the experiment, followed by a pretty good summer and a rough end of the season and a gold glove. So deeply odd up and down year, uh, easy to focus on because you just because you thought he might be the savior and he wasn't. And it's always a bummer when you find out that someone isn't the savior, but obviously rewarded by the rest of the league could be worse. Um, and, and that's where it gets tough, though. The comment section still saying it eh, is a shortstop will be the second baseman. You can't just Yankees shortstop is something special. That's an honor, especially after Derek Jeter, mostly after Derek Jeter, not so much before. Before Derek Jeter is like Tony Fernandez. Whoever wanted to play short can play short. After Derek Jeter, it's an honor. You don't take a gold glove shortstop and take him off the position and expect there to not be backlash for the person. Maybe Volpe's the rare person who can handle that. But it's it's got to be tough. To, hey, thank you for winning us the gold glove at shortstop. We're going to go another way. That's a tough decision. And and you're you're taking an honor away from a lifelong Yankee fan. I think Peraza's better arm, Peraza's better range. True. All of this is true. But – you, you make somebody the Yankee shortstop, it's almost like naming them the Yankees captain. And if you're like, thanks for winning the gold glove at shortstop, now go get your second baseman's glove, it's kind of a slap in the face. Yeah, I agree. You Yeah, they, they made their bed here. They decided to start them opening day. They did not have to do any of that, guys. They decided to do it, whether they felt um, he was ready, whether they felt they didn't want Peraza in that position and they'd rather have him as a defensive rover. Whatever it is, they can't really go back on it. We talked about this at length about – how they didn't really have they didn't have the power to demote him at any point this year because you started him at shortstop, you expedited his development, and you would have exponentially killed it if you had killed if you had affected his morale, sending him down by sending him down or by taking him out out of uh, you know taking him out of the starting spot and putting him somewhere else. Like it would have been detrimental to how he grew as an MLB player. So this is it. This is the reality unless I guess he's traded for a superstar player, but yeah, I wouldn't, I would not be banking on any position switch if he remains with the team, unless it's seven years from now. Yep. Well, should we play GM? I guess we shall. 
Um, I'm GM of the Brooklyn Dodgers, a team that no longer exists. Yeah, I'm GM of the Montreal Expos. I am selling them for parts. The Yankees can have Brad Wilkerson. Oh, wait, they got him already, so we're good. Um, look, this one's <laughs> this one's tough, and I, we'll do more episodes in the future. Don't worry. This will not be the last time we play GM, but today's theme is deals the Yankees have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Not the only things they do, but moves one, two, and three of the offseason – the three deals that they are not allowed to let anybody else get a jump on. Are they going to get beat out for some of these players? Almost definitely. But if this were me, this is how I would prioritize this offseason. We will do cheap free agents coming up. We will do forgotten free agents, underrated free agents. We'll do the whole thing. I'm going with three additions. Number one, don't let it get lost. Juan Soto trade. Don't get distracted. Clark Schmidt, Everson Pereira, Chase Hampton, Roderick Arias for Juan Soto. For just one year of Juan Soto. Doesn't have to come with an extension. Uh, you make us take Jake Cronenworth's money? Okay, take Arias off the board. Fine. Clark Pereira, Hampton for Juan Soto and Jake Cronenworth. I dig it. Number two, eight years, $250 million for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Don't get outbid on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. If he wants to go to the Mets and Kodai Senga, fine. Do not let yourself get outbid on the man who looks like the next Masahiro Tanaka, at worst. And number three, it's tough. For me, there are not three can't-miss moves for the Yankees this offseason. I know a lot of people would go Bellinger here. For me, one year, $10.5 million for Kevin Kiermaier. He wants to stay in the AL East? Great. Okay. Take it or leave it. Come to New York. Be the center fielder in the short term. Jason Dominguez takes your position in the long term. You are a fourth outfielder at best. I do not want you starting on a championship team, but I'll have you starting in the first half of the year. Come join us for the money. Um, and it, you know, the Yankees will inevitably lose more outfielders as the season drags on. Uh, he can play. I trust him lefty. Anybody who comes in at that price point, anybody who's a fourth outfielder, anybody who's a bench option, it better be a fucking lefty. Sorry. Um, and I'll overpay by two or $3 million to get a lefty in there. Those are my three top priorities. Now the Yankees can't be done at three moves, but I would absolutely prioritize adding a fourth outfielder over paying Cody Bellinger. 200 plus million dollars. I don't know where you stand. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm more on the subtraction side of things first off um, because I think in order for them to usher in whatever new era that look, a lot of these moves, um, these bigger moves that we want to happen are not going to materialize right off the bat. We know how this, we know how this works. Yeah. It's going to take weeks, could potentially take months for these markets to materialize, you know, for these agents to play, you know, their, their bullshit game of cat and mouse. Um, a lot of the stuff takes time. So I, but I think the most important thing, the Yankees began the purge, right? They released six players last week. Domingo Herman was was among them. During this show, we just they just let them go for real, too. Uh they just all those guys uh denied the outright minor league assignment and elected free agency. Very funny. What if Domingo Herman had elected to stay with Scranton? Uh, I would have ended the podcast permanently. I would no longer <laughs> be on the air, but he's gone. We have added Carlos Narvaez to the 40-man roster. Beautiful. More to come. More to come. Yeah, so um, I'm more on the subtraction side of things, and it's twofold. One, you just have to get rid of players who are not going to be here beyond 2024 because at this point you're building you're building for beyond 2024. If you think 2024 is the year, then the amount of moves that the Yankees are going to have to make uncharacteristically will have to be beyond overwhelming. So I'm not banking on that happening. So this is why right now we have to start building the infrastructure. I'm going to start with you have to get rid of two of these four players, Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMayhew, Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres. I think the likelihood of you getting rid of Stanton or LeMayhew is next to non-existent. I think there is value for teams to take on Rizzo and or Torres. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not need Anthony Rizzo. Um, he has been largely fine as a Yankee. He makes the Yankees less athletic. He makes them slower. He's his defensive game has slipped. Um, he has a 768 OPS in 260 games with the Yankees. He's supposed to be a supporting cast member. He has been elevated to an intrinsic key member of the Yankees and the Yankees have done it wrong. So I'm not saying this is not by all means, none of this is Rizzo's fault. His injury, obviously not his fault, but now you're on the hook for it's 23 million. If you include the buyout for 2025 for all of 2024. Um, and you're going to be playing from behind to start the year because he has not been himself since the end of May. He hasn't played baseball since the beginning of August. So 
the Yankees are going to be working their way back with him, and I don't think it's going to be good. And I think another team who needs a veteran presence, who would, re- who would, I guess, maybe more so value his um, abilities as, uh, you know, a clubhouse voice or just an influential leader among younger players, might be able to take on that price tag. If not, I think you're better suited to just trade a top prospect with him, and then. If you trade one, you know, especially someone like Torres in this situation, you can replenish your farm system even more with what you might get back in return. I think his market is tough because I don't know any teams that would trade controllable starting pitching for one year of a second baseman unless they are missing only a second baseman for their World Series contending roster. Um, And I also don't know a team who would trade top major league ready talent for top major league ready talent. Because you'd be unless you have a surplus somewhere, which I don't think that is the case among most major league teams. We've looked at all these contending rosters; um, they're hard to build. You're not just going to have a very good left-handed hitting outfielder ready to trade for a middle infielder. It's not going to work like that. So I think you trade Glaber Torres for a couple of top prospects. You replenish the top line after having to give up prospects in any of the previous deals, whether it's Rizzo, Lemayhu, or Stanton. Um, I think you have to do more non-tenders. I know the non-tender deadline isn't for like another week and a half or so. Um, November 17th. Yeah. Uh, 11 days. Okay, great. I am um, non-tendering Lou Trevino and I'm non-tendering Jonathan Luizaga. Yep. Me too. You just got it. That's $7 million for guys who may or may not pitch next year that I like them both. The Luizaga has got some of the best stuff. You've ever seen when healthy Lou Trevino is a great fireman reliever. I thought it was amazing to get him in the deal um, with Frankie Montas, but he underwent Tommy John surgery in late May, early June. He is not back until August. If that, if that there is no guarantee that he's going to be able to pitch at all in 2023, based on how we've seen some of these rehabs uh, materialize. And there's not going to be a guarantee that he's going to pitch. Well, Jonathan, the you heard Aaron Boone's frustration with him. He is never available for a long enough period of time for us to determine who he is in the bullpen, how effective he is, what is his future role with the team. He's going to be making upwards of close to $3 million. Uh, Trevino's going to be making four. It's easy money right here. If you could trade one of those two guys and shed that salary, you're already looking at twenty plus, uh, $25 plus million right off the bat. And I think you got to find a way to dump Tommy Canely's money. Um, I think another team would take him. Um, I think the Yankees need to, the Yankees biggest strength here is being able to construct a bullpen. I think you get rid of all these arms that cost money. You find other, look, you already have Scott F. Ross coming back um, and you have Ian Hamilton coming back. I think those guys are going to be intrinsic members of the bullpen who could easily fill in for the lost names that we're going to have here. Louis Um, Heal is coming back. Louis Heal is coming back. Johnny Brito looks like more of a bullpen mainstay now than he did in August. So yes. 100%. So I think you got to do a lot of house cleaning here before um, the real action starts. So I'm going to agree that all the things that you said need to, at least two of those need to happen. um, And then a contingency for another. And then um, I think on that list of three, like Blake Snell is a one a to Yamamoto, especially if his market based on what we saw from Jim Bode in a $122 million contract is legitimate. I don't think that's legitimate. I think it's probably in the 150, 160 range, yeah. but I still probably think you make that deal um, nine times out of 10 if you're not getting your desired free agent target. Uh, lefty pitcher has success in the AL East, um, has success in big, big games, a move you got to make. So um, I'm cleaning house first before we do all these. Uh, bigger moves. And I think that's going to be more important to having the Yankees develop their roadmap, you know, get kind of uh, have a clean slate heading into 2024 and then they can build upon whatever they decide to. Did you uh non-tender Albert Abreu too? Did I forget that? Or he's pre-arb. So I don't really know if he's, I think he could, does he get tendered or does he just get released? It's a million dollars. So yeah, yeah, I would do that too. I would send him straight to hell. Um, I mean, it's look, it's tough. I, I like there are guys I want on the roster, like Brendan Donovan from the Cardinals, but like the Cardinals want to give me Brendan Donovan. Like it's not that easy. The Cardinals don't think they suck. The Cardinals aren't like, we have exactly what you need. A utility player, lefty hitter hits 285 with uh, moderate power. And uh, you can just have him. No, that's, that's really not how it goes. Like you can't just have him. Other teams also intend to compete. Um, other teams like the Rangers spent $800 million on free agents. Teams like the Cubs spend $40 million on Craig Council, who, as we speak, 
is currently attempting to call the Brewers players <laughs> to let them know himself that he is not coming back. Um, yeah, the Brewers players live on Earth, so I think they've probably already found out. But I do appreciate uh, the phone. I don't think that's going to be a smooth phone call to most of the Brewers. Are any Brewers picking up the phone and being like, thanks for having this talk man-to-man? I really appreciate that. I, like, did I, we I really cut out their internet? Do we make sure they didn't hear anything? Because I'll call yeah. them. Yeah, surely nobody else, like, I live in a cabin. Surely nobody else found out about this, right? And his reps are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, nobody knows. Like, okay, great, I'll call him. That would be a good thing to do. I would be viewed as a good man if I gave him a phone call. Um, No, what a wild, what a Monday in the baseball landscape. And we haven't even heard from Hal and Cash yet. And that's coming tomorrow, I guess. Um, What a hell of a, what a hell of a day. What a hell of a show. Uh, Hopefully a lot dropping this week that we can continue uh, to examine on Thursday's live stream, we, we will not be back until Thursday. Uh, when we do, we come back with a special guest. Um, so stay tuned for that. That should be extremely fun. We're going to talk trending topics like we always do, do a couple of segments, do a little interviewing up top. Uh, so if you're subscribed, please do come back. If you are not subscribed, now is the perfect time to do so. Hit that button on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, truly wherever we are there. We appreciate the comment section for being electric today. We hope we gave you what you wanted. Uh, You certainly did give us fuel to help keep the show rolling. So did the Mets. So did the Cubs. Uh, Definitely my favorite show of the offseason by far. Um, And not no shade to our other shows. Just like, come on. It's very obviously the most fun show of the offseason. Come on. It's other shows were good. This one was better. Um, No big deal. Um, I am Adam Weidrib. Today's show is sponsored by Bet365. The promo is YGY Betting. I won $5 betting on the NFL last night. Uh, You can too. Uh, Five bucks. Pocketed in the account. Uh, I bailed on a parlay that would have actually netted me more money uh, because I was like, well, I got to take this. I got to take these $5. But I I would have won $11 uh, because I wear clown makeup. But uh, you can bet better than me uh, if you want to uh, get on Bet365. You don't have an account yet. YGY Betting is the promo. I'm at Adam Weinerb on Twitter. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. It's called the Yanks Go Yard FS. Mm-hmm. We're there all the time. We're there a good amount of the time, I'd say. Um, you can find all our content there. You can also head on over to yanksgoyard.com. That's where we are writing our bylines. We got more conversation starters there with offseason stuff. We're filling you in on all the info that needs to be had and heard this offseason. So please go on over there. Uh, we thank you guys for reading. We thank you again for coming in here. Admirable effort in the chat today, everybody. Uh, livening it up. We're having a good time. We're happy to have you, and we appreciate everybody tuning in. Until then, we'll see you on Thursday with our special guest. We're going to have a great time, and uh, I would imagine there's going to be some pretty big MLB news leading up to the next couple of days. So we're going to have a fat outline. All the stuff is going to be ready to go. We're going to have another good podcast. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you then. Yeah, we're going to have a fat outline. We're going to erase it all. We're going to be starting from absolute square one like we were today. Uh, No, plenty more GMing coming up this offseason. Plenty more GM meetings, winter meetings, conversation, and the rest of baseball commentary here on the Inkscore Your Podcast. We'll see you on Thursday.